We are here in a session called Marry Well, which uh, this morning I was deep in thought, thinking about, you know, as I was putting the final touches on this, and I said, why did I pick this? What a terrible idea. Some of you are 14 years old. Some of you are 10-year-old seniors. That's, that's homeschooling for you. And, and, uh, and, and then I, as I psychoanalyzed it more, I'm like, who are the types of people that are coming to this? Who are the types of people that are coming to this? So there's, there's a few different things that could be happening. So maybe you're here because some of you are ready to pop the question. But probably not. Hopefully not. You're all in high school. That's, that's not going to be happening. Or maybe you're here because, you know, she gave you an extra smile on the bus ride. Or he helped you carry your luggage. And you're like, you know what? I'd say things are getting pretty serious now. You know? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's the reason why. I'm not, I'm not sure what's, what's going on. Or maybe you're just a romantic. You know, you love all the romantic movies, like Tangled, <laughs> Nacho Libre. <laughs> Nacho Libre is not a romantic movie. Um, but still, it's amazing. So that's why it has to get mentioned. Now, there's a lot of things that we're going to be talking about today. And as we talk about Mary, Life is Short and Marry Well... My idea behind this was to do something different than the typical uh, dating talk. Uh, and the reason why is because I think dating is a cheap imitation of the goodness of marriage. You know something about imitations. How many of you are cereal people? You like cereal. You enjoy a good bowl of cereal. How many of you are like me and at 1030 at night, you would rather have a bowl of cereal than a bowl of ice cream? Right? Come on. Like, it's just like, this is, just, this is it. It's time to get after it. But you also know something about imitations. So you know about Cinnamon Toast Crunch, right? I mean, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, awesome. You also know, if you're like my family, sometimes we do some of our shopping at Aldi, you know about Cinnamon Swirls or Cinnamon Squares, right? It's the same. I think I know what they're kind of trying to do, but it's not quite as good as it is. Well, I'd say that's similar to dating and marriage. Like, dating is kind of touching on some of the things that marriage is supposed to be, but it's a cheap imitation. It's, it's not what it's supposed to be. It's not as good. And also, it might be an imitation much like a fishing lure, that it looks like a real fish, but it's very, very dangerous. And so, what I want to do is I want to change the way high schoolers think, you high schoolers think about dating by having you think about marriage. And I know you think about dating. I know, on the bus ride, even the freshman boys. You know, if you're a freshman boy, I won't point you out right now. But the freshman boys are like, dude, who do you like? Dude, who are you going to try to talk to? Do, 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 do. Grow up. You don't even have deodorant on. But, <laughs> and I also know, I also know the high school girls, even though I myself have never been a high school girl. Uh, I, I am aware uh, that there is probably some conversation about guys and who you like. Uh, Luke would say in the, in the book of Acts, there is no small amount of talk uh, about, the, about guys amongst girls. And so the question is, how should we talk about, think about these things in light of the Bible? And I want you to think about them in light of marriage. So here's what I want to do. I want to help you do kind of two different things. The first part of this talk is going to be about just thinking about rightly about marriage in general. Right, Just thinking about rightly about marriage. And the second part of this talk is going to be, okay, well now, who should I marry? And for this, let's start in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2.
And you could, you could call this first section uh, the sort of beauty of marriage. The beauty of marriage. Genesis chapter 2, you know, comes right after Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, God creates everything. And He declares that it's all what? Talk to me, that it's all? Good. good. It's good. He creates this. It was good. Makes creation. It was very good. And then... Something happens in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will find him a helper suitable for him. Uh, I will find him a helpmate, a teammate, one that's suitable, one that fits him, one that complements him perfectly. He does not create another man. He does not create... Uh, sorry, the animals don't work. He needs to find someone similar but different to complement him. And so God brings all the animals by and Adam names them, but none of them are the helpers suitable for Adam. And so verse 21 says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he, or sorry, while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and were not ashamed. What do we learn here? We see right at the very beginning that God is the one who created marriage. So marriage is not something that's created by the culture. It's something that's created by God. And He creates it as a good thing. Marriage is a, is a blessing. It's a beautiful thing. It, it fulfills this need that we have to be with another person. It's also this mysterious thing because you have two becoming one. So not just a partnership, not just two individuals cohabitating, codependent on one another. But the two, in a sense, become one person. One soul, not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally, relationally. So God starts off talking about marriage. It's it's this beautiful thing that is celebrated and detail is given to it. Let's develop this further. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 is where we'll go next. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, and we'll look back at 1 Peter chapter 3 later, uh, Peter gives instructions to wives and then he gives some instruction to husband. And in the midst of that, he says, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. They are heirs of the grace of life. What does that mean? What does that mean about marriage? It, could be talking about that husband love your wives because they're co-heirs in Christ with you. That's part of it. But I think what this is talking about is the blessing of marriage. Like even non-Christians enjoy the blessing of marriage. It is a grace of life. It's a good thing that God has given for us to enjoy. And here that's what Peter's referring to it as. Marriage is not just an obligation. It's not a burden. It's a blessing. It's a good thing that God has given. Let me look at one more, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, so you go to your left now, which is that way for y'all. Ephesians chapter 5, here's something else that's amazing about marriage. Okay, verse 31. 
Verse 31 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. This, this truth is amazing. right? The idea of uh, someone, a man sacrificially loving a woman who comes under his leadership. It's amazing truth, right? But Paul says, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. In other words, what, what he's saying here is this. That marriage is a reflection of something greater. It's a reflection of the gospel. It's a reflection of the ultimate marriage between Christ and His bride, the church. Of Christ who selflessly gave Himself for His people. And of the church who submits to His leadership. And so what does it already off the bat tell us about marriage? It tells us there's this amazing good thing that God made for the good of mankind at the beginning. That, uh, that it's part of the grace of life. And that it reflects the goodness of the gospel. Now why do I bring this up? Because we live in a day and age where marriage, well, it's just not as celebrated by the culture like it used to be. You have many people, even young ladies at church, like, I don't know if I want to get married. You have people in society like, I don't really want to you know, devote myself. I don't want to get married to another person. And I think a huge part of that is this. We are incredibly individualistic. Our culture wants us to focus on us. We get to change everything. So we get to change the settings on our phone. Uh, we get to decide what school we go to, how we want to dress, etc. We are all into self-expression. And marriage gets in the way of that. Because it's not just two individuals doing their own thing. It's two individuals who've become one who do their thing together. And now that seems, I don't know, difficult and messy. And But what if I want to do what I want to do? And so that's why you've seen marriage devalued in our society. I love right off the bat that marriage is a good thing. Marriage is something that you should prioritize. It's not the ultimate thing, which we'll talk about in a second. But it is a good thing. It is something that you should pursue and think about. Uh, even at 15, 16 year old, you're in this talk, and it's a good thing for you to start thinking about it, though it's a bit of ways off. It is something that God has, seen, or has declared as good. It is also something that is going to impact your life tremendously. You could call this second point of our first part. Uh, you could call this the impact of marriage. Whoever you marry in the next 5, 10, 15 years will impact your life. Because if it is the closest human relationship you'll have, if it is a, a you know, mingling of souls, as it were, if it is that sort of connection where the two become one, well, that person is going to have a huge impact on your life. I mean, if you live to 70, 80 years old, over half your life you'll be linked to this person. What does 2 Corinthians 6 tell us? It says, do not be unequally yoked. Right off the bat then, what if, if I'm thinking of numbering my days and I'm a Christian, I want to marry a Christian. Because I know that's going to influence how I live. Proverbs, you guys know Proverbs 27, 17, right? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, right? Godly people influence godly people, and as a result, you both become more godly. Well, how do you think that's going to influence you if the closest relationship you're signing up for is with a non-Christian, right? Is that going to help you love Jesus more? Is that going to help you number your days? 
is going to affect you. First Corinthians 15, right? Bad company corrupts good morals. So we see right off the bat that the impact of marriage, you want to think deeply about who you're, I mean, in the same way right now, like you should think deeply about your friends. You should think deeply about, well, who's going to be my best friend one day, the one I'm ultimately linked up with? Who is that person going to be? Because they are going to impact my life. And I want to make sure that they impact it positively, not draw me away from Christ. I mean, let me put it more bluntly. If you're married to an unbeliever, you'll see yourself pulled. If you're married to a nominal Christian, you will very much soon see yourself behaving as a nominal Christian. Let me look at one other thing. So we've looked at the beauty of marriage. Kind of looked at the impact of marriage. Uh, Let me tell you about the limit of marriage. And when I say limit, here's what I mean. It's not the ultimate thing. It is a good thing. It is not the ultimate decision in life. It's really high up there, but it's not the ultimate one. Here's what I mean by that. There is this belief that when I find the one, you guys have thought about the one. Who is the one? And you think, when I find the one, they are going to complete me. Oh, all right. (laughs) You complete me. You know, whatever. And that's going to be, and they're going to fulfill me. They're going to fulfill everything I need. Everything that I need in life emotionally, personally, sexually, spiritually. My life will now level up, reach the pinnacle of all that it's supposed to be because I found the person that completes me, right? And then you start dating. And as you get to know them more, you start going, is this, I don't know if they're the one, right? Because we have this super high expectation that they're supposed to like make your life everything that it's supposed to be. And then you get what? nervous because what if they don't and so you find people that are commitment shy about marriage because what if they're not the one that's supposed to fulfill everything so friend that's not what marriage is actually supposed to be in fact your mindset going into marriage is not this person is supposed to make me all that i'm supposed to be otherwise you'll be shy about it or you'll bad expectations about it here's what your expectation should be you ready marriage is you saying i want this person to become all that they're supposed to be in christ it's a marriage. It's marriage. We're saying this relationship is about me devoting myself to them as they devote themselves to me. It's more about how you benefit and bless them, not just how they benefit and bless you. And so that's where we're at so far, right? We see marriage is this beautiful thing. It's going to radically shape your future, and yet at the same time, when it's proper place, it's up there. But it's not the ultimate thing. It's not the top thing. And we don't want to put false expectations on it. So that's how we approach it to start. 30 minutes left. Here's what we want to do the rest of the time. Let's answer the question, who should I marry? Who should you marry? And I just think you should marry her. No, I'm just kidding. I just, I, I just wanted to see uh, the reaction of that one right there. I mean, a guy should marry a girl. But I was trying to see like, who they're talking about. I was able to get three marriages that happened last session. So... Let's see how many we can get this time. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, guys, how does the world think about this? How, does, how do people in the world decide who they're going to marry? Somebody talk to me now. Let's go. Yes. Um, well, they look at it kind of as a, um, only as a thing to like release yourself of all your actual passions. Okay. There's no actual commitment. Okay, so no commitment. Just enjoying life, but this is someone, uh, yeah, I like that. We're, we'll go in marriage now. Though. Yeah, yeah, next. Yeah, you, you're the only one who had the hand up. I had to call you. Money. Let's go. Dude, some of you dudes are doomed. 
Some of you dudes are doomed. Yeah, your only hope is to marry the daughter of a rich man. Uh, way in the back. Yeah, yeah. Shh. Yes, you. Okay, the same energy. Like, 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 like we're in the same things. We like got that country music energy. We both like Chick-fil-A sweet tea. Yeah, yes. Shh. Yeah, appearance, right? She's cute. He's strong. You know, all those different things. Last one, yeah. Uh, they want us to marry based off of our emotions and only listen to our hearts rather than actual logic. Yeah, now I do think, you know, when he said only based on emotions. I do want to be clear. You shouldn't be like, listen, let's get one thing clear, sweetheart. I don't feel anything for you. But, but this is right. Although... That would be kind of a cool way to trick her into marrying you. I just, I'm going to rethink that during lunch. I don't know. Maybe it would work. We'll talk later. Okay. I'm just kidding. Right. It's, it's just, yeah, there's, there's no thinking about it. It's just, this is who I love. It, it reminds me of the winter camp one year that our church went to. There's a guest church that was there. And as we're walking, uh, as you're walking by, I heard like one freshman girl tell another freshman girl, hey, you like who you like. You can't help it. And it's like, oh no, that's terrible advice. You totally can help it. You need to help it. Um, who should I marry? Who should I marry? He's what I want to do the rest of the time. Uh, I want you to think about, or we want to think about what the Bible says about what a wife is to be, what a woman is to be, and what the Bible says what a husband is supposed to be, what a man is supposed to be. And as we think about those things, here's the deal. Ladies, you could prepare for marriage now by being the woman that God calls you to be and by looking for a guy that meets what God calls him to be. You know, and if you're 14, what you're looking right now is you're talking with your mom and disciplers about, you know, I noticed this and this guy, I noticed this guy, and they're kind of affirming what are good things to pursue and not. Guys, the way you pursue marriage now is you be the guy uh, be the man that God calls you to be, the husband that God calls you to be, and you look for in women what God calls women to be, and you start reorienting what you find attractive, and you find older men who help you start thinking about those things now, so that later when you're ready to kind of pursue devoting yourself to one woman, you know what to be looking for. So let's do that. We'll look at the ladies first. We'll look at the guy second. I want you to write down as many verses as you can. I am not going to give a deep uh, you know, uh, explanation of any of these passages, but I want us just to kind of get the theme. So let's go. First, we'll start with the ladies, and then we can be mean to the guys after. Proverbs 31, of course. Proverbs 31. Come on. Girls are like, we've got Ruth, we've got Esther, and we've got Proverbs 31. I'm just kidding. You have the whole Bible. Get out of here. But anyway, Proverbs 31. Now listen to wisdom here. Proverbs 31.10 says this, An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. Guys, the greatest treasure that you can find outside of Christ is, a, is an excellent wife. Not a, not a girlfriend, but an excellent wife. So what you want to think about. So what is this? What does this look like? Ladies, what does this look like for you? Well, it says that the heart of her husband trusts in her. He will have no lack of gain. 
She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Notice she's a blessing to her husband. She does good for him. It says that there's a lot of things that happen here in this next verse. It says she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. And you're thinking, like, what is this? Like, I'm not, I'm not a gardener. I don't know how to sow. Well, like, what do I see this? Well, here's what I want you to see. She's working hard, and it's active service. She sees she's, she's others-oriented. And so she puts her hand to the distaff, and she uh, and holds the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Talks about that her children are cared for. Uh, that that she has a trust in God and a servant heart and a love for others. That that's what we're seeing here. Verse twenty eight. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Verse twenty nine. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Here's what beauty, according to the Proverbs, is. According to wisdom, here's what is part of an excellent wife. Character. Godly character. You need to write that down. Character is what you're looking for as a wife. Young lady, what you are looking to cultivate is character. Selflessness. Hard work for the sake of others. Fear of God. Holiness. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. Right? They're, they're, the, it, those are perishing things. But character does not fade away. It's because of character that a husband can trust her. Right? You, you could trust somebody, not just based on their words and how nice they are, but it's proven character over time. Let's go to our next passage. Let's go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And you can write down, we won't go there for sake of time, you could write down Ephesians chapter 5. You could look at Colossians chapter 3 where it gives instructions what wives are supposed to be. But I want you to look at Titus chapter 2. Um, here we have this letter that Paul writes to Titus giving instruction for how the church community ought to operate on the island of Crete. He says this, notice what he calls older women to do. Notice what he calls younger women to do. Verse 2, older men are to be sober-minded. That's for, I'm looking at men. Verse 3, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. What do we see here about God's call to women? Well, first of all, you see these first few words, reverent, reverent, not slanderers. What does that mean? That the godly woman has self-control. Right? What, what is self-control? Self-control understands when it's time to have fun, and when it's time to be serious, right? This is not saying that like a, a woman can't be funny. I know plenty of women that are funny. Uh, they have a great sense of humor. But, there's a, but they're not always silly. They're not always frivolous. 
I don't understand where it came this thing in our culture that girls kind of had to act ditzy. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, you can know what's going on. That's good to know what's going on. When you don't know what's going on, guys, that's sus. Watch out for that. If you don't know what's going on, you're like, I don't get what's happening. Like, how does she not know what's going on, right? But... What is it? She's reverent. She's not a slanderer. She's not mouthing off. She, she's not addicted to the things of this world. We also see like she knows her Bible. Do you see that? Teaching what is good. Guys, you know, if marriage is going to come, that means kids are going to come. Do you want your kids to love Jesus? Who's going to teach them all day when you're at work? You find a wife that knows the Bible and not just kind of chuckles and shrugs like, I don't know that verse. Girls, that's not what you're called to do. You can know the word to be the woman that God wants you to be. What else do we see? They're called to be of self-control, pure, working at home. We see this priority of the wife being in the home. They're to be kind, submissive to their husbands. That is letting their husband lead that the word of God would not be reviled. So again, you start seeing things. You see character. You see selflessness. You see kindness. These are the, the themes that mark of what a woman of God is supposed to be. Let's look at one more passage. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, that's to the right. I don't I'm not turning to the left there. There we go. 1 Peter chapter 3. Now listen, this passage here, it's instructing from Peter um, to these wives of, of unsaved husbands. So he's talking to them how to win their husbands. But in the midst of this, we learn. We learn things. It says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. What Peter is saying here is what is most important is not externals. Now, ladies, I know you put effort into externals. And as guys, we appreciate that. You know, we don't want to just let you know, like, we're not just saying, like, come as you are. You know, you're, you're, you're totally welcome to put effort in externals. And dudes, you should put effort into your externals. My goodness. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> um, what this is saying is making sure we understand what's most important. I have a daughter who already understands what clothes match and what don't. She's like three and a half and four. I don't get it. She came out the other day in like these jeans and this like TMU shirt, and she looked like she was going to ask us for money to go to the volleyball game with her friends. I was like, what is happening? She already very much cares about what she looks like. And what I'm constantly having to teach her is, Chloe, you're most beautiful when you love and obey Jesus. Because that's what this is saying here, is that real beauty is character. Real beauty that's beautiful, that's precious in the sight of God is godliness and selflessness. And quietness doesn't mean that women don't talk and sit in the back. But what that's just saying is you're not boisterously through your actions and through your um, clothing trying to draw attention to yourself. There's a servant-oriented nature. We'll see that with the guys as well. So, what have we learned? We've seen that sort of worker at home submissive to husband, letting him lead, which we'll talk about that in a second as well. Um, kindness, all of that stuff. Ladies, that is what God is calling you to be. And so if you're one who's like thinking about marriage, the way you start preparing is you start doing those things now. Guys, those are the characteristics you should look for. 
Those are the things that you should find attractive. Now, let me say two things on that to the guys. Number one, here's a question. How do you know if a girl is going to act like a wife that God calls them to act like? You ready? They're already doing it now. So submission. Here's a question. Do they honor their dad? Do they obey their father? Because, dudes, I'm just telling you, when you hear a girl talking bad about your dad, and, or about her dad, <laughs> about your dad, <laughs> when, you, when you hear a girl talking bad about her dad, and you're kind of interested in her, what she's giving you is coming attractions of how she'll talk about you when she doesn't agree with your decisions. Right? If you don't see servant-oriented now, uh, then how do you, like, why is she going to want to serve then? If she's always last to sign up for stuff, never wants to help out with things, what makes you think she's going to want to serve at home? What makes her think she's going to want to teach other women and teach kids what is good if she doesn't even want to listen to sermons? So remember that. Character now is cultivating what your character is going to be. Nothing happens when you put a ring on that all of a sudden you're like, submission and selflessness, <laughs> right? You cultivate those things now. So guys, those are the things to look for. Girls, those are the habits to develop now. Here's just the advice I would give you. Now, ladies, if you're working on those things, find older women to mentor you. Find older women who do those things. Find couples that have been married for a long time and model this and say, help me be like you. I'm inviting you into my life uh, to help me grow in Christ's likeness and be what God wants me to be. Now, one more thing before I go to the guys, but we'll start beating up on the guys now. Gentlemen, one of the ways that you prepare for marriage is your standards for beauty and attractiveness now begin to match the biblical standards of beauty and attractiveness. I can't tell you how many guys fall for and pursue half-hearted, shallow Christian, barely Christian girls, but they're cute and they're funny and they think I'm funny, so I'll like them and never pursue any girl that serves. I'll pursue the girl that's laughing and pursuing me while all the rest of the girls are kind of serving Christ and actually thinking about holy things. Dudes, you do yourself no favor by training yourself now to judge girls based on worldly standards and not biblical standards. Dudes, you, do no, like, you don't do the testimony of the church any favors when you pursue the exact same kind of girls that they do. And so now what you want to start training yourself is to see that beauty is vain, that when they're 40, they're probably not going to look like that. Not my wife. She's awesome and always will be. But, but what you're saying is like, look, beauty fades away, but character won't. And so am I looking for character? Do I find, what I find attractive about them, is it Christ's likeness or is it the worldliness that's in them that I find attractive by them? You got to start changing your grid now if you want to think about who is the right person you ought to marry. Pursue that, do that now. All right, let's switch to the dudes. Let's switch to the dudes. What does God call men to be? What does God call husbands to be? And girls, you can, you can write these two words down. This will help you. Ladies, here's what you want to look for. You ready? This is going to help you. You want to find a guy who has two things, a Bible and a shovel. Bible and a shovel. And what I mean by that is does he work hard and does he love Jesus? Does he work hard and does he actually love the Lord? Work hard, we won't look at the verses for those, but you see that. I mean, even in Genesis 2, God, before the fall, commands man to work. 
In 2 Thessalonians 3, you can finish the sentence for me. It says, if a man doesn't work, don't let him what? Don't let him eat. Right? So hard work is part of what a man is supposed to do. But let's kind of talk about the direction of that hard work. Take your Bible and go to Ephesians 5. Back to Ephesians 5. That's to the left. Um, Ephesians chapter 5. Now, Ephesians 5, there are commands for wives. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. And whenever you talk about wives, submit to your husbands, if I were to say that in any other cultural setting, people would be like, this is crazy talk. This is insane. This is patriarchy or something like that. Submit to your husbands. And it's because they have bad reading skills that they don't understand. Wives, submit to your own husbands is verse 22. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So it's not a dominance. It's not an enslavement. It's not, well, the wife's not allowed to cook anything unless the husband specifically requests it. It's a, it's a partnership. And in that partnership, you have one partner who comes under the leadership of the other. Well, the one who is in leadership is selflessly loving the other. That husbands love their wives, how? As Christ loved the church. Like, dudes, when you get married one day, you're not getting a secretary or another mom. You are getting someone that you're saying, I am committing to loving you more than I love myself. I'm committed to doing things for your benefit. I'm committing to giving myself up for you. What does it say, verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. That is, guys, your hard work, ready? Part of your hard work is you're working hard for the benefit of her. She does not exist so that you could be all that you would be. You exist as a husband so that she might be all that Christ would have her to be. And that because of a loving husband, the wife would flourish and grow under his leadership because of the way that he cares for and provides for her. That's not just in the marriage relationship, by the way. Look at chapter 6, verse 4 right there in your Bible. Fathers, right? That's going to usually come after husbands. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So guys, you need to not only love the Lord, you need to help your wife grow in the way she loves the Lord, and you have a responsibility for the way that your kids love the Lord. Which I just don't know how that's going to happen unless you yourself don't know your Bible. And read your Bible and understand who God is. Let's look at Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Where are we at? Okay, we're doing good. Titus chapter 2, back to the right. Let's go back again and think about men. Verse 2, and gentlemen, you just ask yourself, is this me? Is this me? Verse 2, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, and self-controlled. You ready? Men are to be serious. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be funny. I have a son who's almost six. He loves to be funny. He wants to be funny. There are times when he's not funny, but he's trying really hard which is cute at his age, but not so cute when many of you do the same thing. But, um, but sober-minded means you know when to be silly and when to be serious. That's what we talk about with Jude. It's when to like, laugh and when to say, no, these things actually matter. 
And I'd made, you know, I jested about the girls a little bit, so I did the same thing. There are dudes in here who are like, oh, I don't know, whatever. Had you get your homework done? Oh, man, no. I did, I... did you hear the sermon? Oh, I just wasn't tracking. Boyish. You are such a little boy. Girls, if you have a dude that cannot have a serious conversation about the Bible, like, that dude is off your list, unless you want to marry a son that wants you to take care of him and drive him and feed him around. That's not what you want. So, dudes, if, you don't, if you're not serious about the Bible, you're clearly not serious about relationships. Ladies, get that guy off your list right there. Dunzo. Uh, what else? He's to be sound in faith, so he understands what he believes. Sound in love, he's... He actually demonstrates a care for others, not just a selfishness. And he's sound in steadfastness. That is, he endures. He's not like, you know, going back and forth with his faith. Oh, I love Jesus this week. He's not committed. But no, he's just steadfast, faithful, committed. No one's having to drag him to church. No one's having to tell him that he needs to follow Jesus. But he just, he does these things because he's just a normal, regular Christian. That's what God calls men to be. What else? Let's take a look at verse 6. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself, guys, here's a good question to ask. Show yourself in all respects a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. Guys, here's how you prepare for marriage. You start walking in holiness. You walk in sexual purity. You guard your mouth. And you cultivate those things now. And you find other godly men who you can model your life after to invest into you and be all that God has called you to be. Let's look at one other verse. 1 Peter chapter 3. And that will be where we end as well. So you can turn to 1 Peter 3 and we're done. 1 Peter chapter 3, we read those instructions that God gives to wives. What does it say for husbands? Well, chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Understanding has the idea of compassion. It's caring. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. So two things there. There's like compassion and care, and there's honor. Gentlemen. Do you honor women? Do you honor them as image bearers? Do you treat them in an understanding way? There is a way that you can go through life, and I think it's, you're mostly trained by it, by um, stumbling into pornography, that you, you treat women as objects. And that because of that, conversations with girls aren't about a conversation with a person. It's like a trophy. It's a game that some of you are playing. Like, look at me. I can get any girl to talk to me. I can get any girl to laugh. And that's not honoring women. And you will be a terrible husband one day if that's the way you treat women. Because you won't seek to understand her. You won. She was the big prize. But you have no desire to treat her like a bride. Ladies, in the same way, do not be deceived. Just because he made you laugh doesn't mean he's treating you in a way that honors you and protects you and does what's best for you. So again, what do we see? We see a love, a, a kindness to women. We see character, right? We see character developed here. We're looking for a guy that loves Jesus, that loves the church, that he works hard, that he serves, that he's committed Gentlemen, your job is to be that now. 
Cultivate those things now. Again, you don't put on a ring and the switch happens. You become those things. Ladies, you look for guys like that. That's the kind of guy you should be attracted to. How weird would it be that the more Christ-like a guy is, the less you're attracted to him? That'd be weird, right? It'd be super weird for someone who loves Jesus but doesn't find it. Now, I'm not saying like you have to marry every godly guy. But it'd be weird for you to only be attracted to guys the more unchrist-like they are, the more funny they are, the more they push the edge. Isn't that cool? They're like a real crit. They're real because they don't really come to the sermons. That'd be weird, right? Ladies, how do you know if a husband's going to do this? You ready? He's doing it now. He's doing it now. Does he want to go to church now or does his mom force him? Because if a mom has to force him, you're going to have to force him. Does he want to know his Bible now? Because if he doesn't know it now, he's going to not really care about teaching it to your kids. He's not going to help you try to grow in Christ-likeness. Does he have selflessness now? Do you see him helping with the luggage at the bus, helping clean up at the cafeteria? Is he always the one to dip out, throw his trash, not do anything? Is he always the one in a conversation to turn things back to him? Because if that's who he is now, that's who he's going to be. And let me give a special thing to the ladies. It's not a total rule. But it's pretty certain it's this. There are many girls who say, yeah, but I can change him. (laughs) Oh, no, you can't. (laughs) No, you cannot. Girls, what you see is what you get. That is who he is. And putting a ring on his finger at a $50,000 ceremony is not going to change that. So if he is a slouch now, if he's lazy now, if he doesn't work hard now, if he really doesn't only love, doesn't really talk about Jesus unless someone makes him do it, then, uh, then that's who he's going to be. And that's who you're going to marry one day. Uh, and you will be like, I saw that coming. Now let me, uh, let me wrap with a couple of things. So again, guys, that's who you're supposed to be. Bible shovel. Ladies, that's who you're supposed to be. Let me give you two closing thoughts. One of them has to do with process. So I did say... Guys, whoever she is now, that's who she's going to be. Girls, whoever he is now, that's who he's going to be. Let me give you a caveat. Let me give you one thing. It's this. Teachability. Teachability. Because maybe he's immature now, and it's true. The human brain's not fully developed until you're 25 years old. Um, That's a true fact. You can take that to the bank. Um, But here's the question. Does he have godly men in his life? Who are his influences? Because, ladies, if he's like at the church, and he seeks out wisdom from godly men who do love their wives, godly men who do word, and he's inviting correction and feedback, and he's actually applying that, then guess what? You can trust that he will become like those men, right? You can trust, because he's in process, he's not perfect. There are certain communities, let's call them private Christian schools, where a girl will start dating a guy and all her friends who aren't dating anybody will find all the reasons why that guy isn't who Christ wants you to be. You know what I mean? Like, he's just not the man that you need. And guys are in process. Dudes make mistakes. Dudes make a lot of mistakes. But is there teachability, humility, and are they seeking counsel from godly people because they will become like those people? Same thing for girls, guys. Like, yeah, she's in pro- like, but are there godly women that she's pursuing after? Here's what you don't want. The only people they ever feed, they get feedback from is their goober friends. Because if those are the only people they get feedback from, they're just going to become like their goober friends. So don't do that. So that's one closing thought is there's, there's process. Who are they pursuing after? Here's one, here's one last closing thing. You're in, y'all are in 1 Peter 3, right? 1 Peter 3. So 1 Peter 3 says... 
But let your adorning, verse 4, be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. There is a thought that some of you are having right now, and it's this. Josh is saying, look at character. And that means I'm going to have to marry some plain Jane. That's what's going to happen. She's not going to be that pretty. She's not going to be, you know, great. She's going to be nerdy. And But God says it's character, so... Will you? And, and some of you, homie, and some of you girls, you're thinking the same thing. You're like, ah, character. And so I'm going to have to get some guy that's like got a bad farmer's tan and he's, he's, he's flabby. And, but I guess he loves Jesus. Right? And that's what you're thinking right now. Well, listen, here's what's amazing. Like, here's what you should be praying for and thinking through. And, and I know that if you love Christ, you will see this. Like, if you change what, like, your standard of beauty to what God calls beautiful, dudes, like, God is not shortchanging you, you know? Like, God's not tricking you into saying, like, no, this car really works when it doesn't. <laughs> Ladies, God is not doing that. Like, you will see the beauty because it's a reflection of the beauty of the character of God. Like, I'll tell you, like, why did I start dating Katie? I'll tell you. She was helping out at the Bible study that we were both serving at. Uh, I've seen her character. Let me tell you what else. She was cute. Big time. Still is cute. Big time. Right? That, that's the truth of what it is. But I find Katie more attractive now than I did 11 years ago. Why? Because I've seen her as a wife. I've seen her serving ladies and giving up time at the church. I've seen her parent our little kids and just day in and day out faithfully love them. I've seen what she does with a smile. I get letters saying, I'm so happy you're at camp even though I miss you because you're doing these things with the Lord. And those are the things that make me go, I totally scored. I, 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 I way married someone above my pay grade. And it's because of her beauty, but it's because of her inner beauty. Dudes, you will not regret it. Stop going like, well, I don't know if we find someone that loves Jesus more than they love you, you will be satisfied. Ladies, the same is true as well. This is a big decision. God has not said, marry that person, marry that person. But He's given us wisdom of who to look for. And let's make sure we do that. Let me pray. Father, thank You for this time. Thank You for Your goodness to, to us. We are so grateful for how the way You've cared for us. Uh, pray for these students that they would not fall into the foolishness and stupidity of the way the world looks at relationships. They'd find their contentment and joy in You and look for the things that You call beautiful. It's Christ's name we pray. Amen.